Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. The countdown is at 29 games left, Andre. 29. That's true. It's all everybody's around 27, 28, 29. If you're watching this Marlins season, it feels like far too many because every day and you're at the front row seat. I mean, you just sat there through three in Atlanta where it was one. You get one run each. What does Spider-Man say in Family Guy? Everybody gets one. Well, no, they only get one. Others get more. But they only get one, apparently. Yep. Marlins only get one. And that third game, we made it through eight. We were eight for eight in Atlanta without having to deal with weather. The last game, five innings in, Mother Nature decides to unleash everything and turn a game that was only three hours if you exclude the weather delay into a five-hour marathon. So having to sit through the, in addition to the doldrums of what's happening on the field, having to sit through the doldrums of a weather delay to cap all that off was, well, I think I saw more action during the rain delay anyway. So maybe that was for the better. I, I hope you're finding road trips entertaining for other reasons because uh, – and, and look, it's not even the, like you – know, people might think, oh, if you're, you know, you know, don't cheer for your team. It's not even that. I think it's just brutal baseball sometimes that you're watching. Yeah, I mean, no, at least if it was just, like, and it's not just the fact that yeah, yeah it's competitive, more competitive it's, losing, it's, right? Yeah, it's also it's almost the same story every single time. Exactly, and it's That's when it's it either yeah, it's basically hey, the opponent scored three runs. Okay, time to start writing the loss. Hey, the opponent scored two runs. I think it's safe to start writing the loss. And even there's the games where Sandy Alcantara is on the mound. Even when they get the one run, it still only feels like a 50-50 shot. They, they're going to be able to come away with it. Yeah, It's just it's well, a matter I mean, look, of finding is, the differences. Yeah. I mean, look, I remember when when I was on there and doing it, you know, day-to-day, you know, when when, when Joe was there day-to-day and, and, and Clark Spencer was there day-to-day. I mean, in 2018, we <laughs> – we we joked. We later became like a running joke between us. But that that thing where you know you're in the you're in the fourth or fifth inning, and and a, and a Marlin finally gets a hit, and you all exhale. It was serious, and we're back to that. So that which we, we should not be back to that, and that's the sad part of this season is that all this has happened. But you, my friend, detail are detailing that pretty good for those of you listening to this now. You know, on a Tuesday morning or whenever. You know, by this time, it'll it should be on the Miami Herald website. Check out Jordan's story where he details where this thing went sideways, where the where this thing went off the tracks, and why. And pretty simple answer: they, you know, the 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 engines of this lineup, as we know, both went. You know, they went down for a while, especially the main engine guy who's uh, nicknamed uh, nicknamed just like a a, a musical genre. <laughs> But I mean, they without traded, him, but, it, but there's more to it than that. The, the, yeah. the big bats, in turn, haven't been able to really pick it up without him, and that's obviously very, has been the very disappointing part of the season for one reason or another. And you take it from there. You know, we talk about yeah, let's start. I guess with you know Jorge Soler was on a pretty good pace. I even forgot about that. The Jorge Soler was on a pretty good pace before he got hurt, and he just hasn't been able to play. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it. It all, to me, starts with June 28th, the day that Jess Chisholm Jr. left with the lower back injury against the Cardinals. That ultimately became a stress fracture in his lower back. The next day, June 29th, Jorge Soler was removed, was a late scratch from the lineup with 
what was first pelvis inflammation that he missed a good chunk of time for, then came back for five games and missed, then hasn't been back since with lower back spasms. If you look at where the Marlins were on June 28th or after June 28th, the June 28th game, Jazz led the Marlins with 14 home runs and 45 RBI. Jorge Soler was second in home runs with 13 and was third with 34 RBI, one behind Garrett Cooper, who had 35 at that point. And that was 73 games into the season. The Marlins had a respectable offense through those first 73 games. 244 batting average, 14th in the league. 706 OPS, 16th in the league. 80 home runs, 14th in the league. All averaging four and four and a half runs a game, give or take. I mean, middle of the road offensive numbers, but when you look at what the starting rotation is, that keeps you competitive. Well, and I was going to say, and where were they in the standings around that time, give or yeah. take a day yeah. or two? No, again, About they two, were two back of the wild card, more or less. Yeah, they were hovering around. They were in the thick of the playoff race throughout yeah. there. And then that kept going a little bit after both of them went down. But if you look at the 60 games overall as a whole, since both of them went down on since that June 28th game when they were both in the lineup together for the last time, 60 games. Marlins have scored 152 total runs. That's averaging two and a half runs a game. So down two runs per game, complete total from what they were doing the first 73 through these last 60. No MLB team has had a stretch of 60 games averaging this amount per game or less since the 1971 San Diego Padres. 1971, guys. That's 51 years. I'm not that uh, old. I wasn't born yet. Yeah, I not a not a mitochondrial moment. <laughs> Yay! I finally did it. Yes. Uh, and then you look through just the rest of their stats and comparing them to the rest of the league this season. Marlins batting average dropped from 244 in those first 73 to now a 2016 batting average. They're just hovering over the Mendoza line as a team over the last 10 weeks. For, for uh, kicks and giggles, to not say a dirty word, I looked up what the 71 Padres finished: 61 and 100. Marlins are covering around there. Marlins are 55, have 55 wins right now. So let's see what happens there. Uh, so a few other stats, 583 team OPS over this 60 game stretch MLB worst over these, over that time. Next closest is the LA angels at 618. They have only 36 home runs over these 60 games and surprise, surprise MLB worst Detroit Tigers with 39 have the second fewest and the big and the big picture for it. Their record over these 60 games, 22 and 38, tied with the Texas Rangers for the third worst record in that stretch, which again goes back to the fact that they have the pitching that on occasion can help them, help them and right. keep them in the game despite right. this stretch of futility. Because it, it, if you've watched these last 60 games, it feels like it could be even worse. But mm-hmm. then you remember that every once in a while, Sandy will throw one of his gems and they'll win two to one or. You know, randomly they'll have a little bit more of an outburst one day and score five, and it's just enough to edge by. But those have been few and far between. Even the Sandy starts aren't, you know, foolproof because we've seen him be a little bit human the last few last few times out. I think two out of his last three haven't been that great, and you know, it's just it. You can't it can't be this one sided. Obviously, like we know, and it, it really has derailed. A season where if you look at them where they were in June after what you were talking about, you had the hope that maybe they'd be the Orioles right now. You know, maybe they're not 
square right in the playoff picture has been like they'd make it right now, but they'd be in the fight until late, like the Orioles. Something the that Orioles it would right make now. it interesting down the stretch. It would make exactly. the Orioles have going. a reason to watch with this. Yeah, the Orioles now are either, depending on, you know, from now to when people hear this, maybe two, three back of the final wild card spot. That's where you kind of hope that they could sustain themselves and kind of be. And let's say they did do that, and let's say they did fall short. Maybe they fall short by three, four games, whatever. That's that step, though, that we were talking about at the beginning of the season as the progress of the overall big picture where, okay, we got a little closer to truly being a playoff team this year. But obviously that hasn't happened for everything that you just said primarily. And now you wonder, you know, the future, what the future is going to look like in a lot of places for this team because clearly things haven't, you know, worked very well. A few things have, but the ongoing problem with this team is offense and can they fix it? How do you fix it? How fast can you possibly fix it? It's all the same questions we've been asking that we that pre- primarily we were asking coming in to this season, thinking that this would be the year where some of that would start to get cleared up a little bit. And despite the tease, the first three months, it didn't happen. Yeah, and just to touch back with the Orioles, heading into as of the time of this recording, three and a half back of Toronto for the last wild card spot, which they're facing yeah. Toronto right now. And also right. only nine and a half back of the Yankees for first place in the in the AL East after after New York has had its its own fall through yeah. since the All Star yeah. break. But even but look, this is like twenty. Look at twenty sixteen. That's yeah. what the Marlins were in twenty sixteen. They were around. They were hanging around until it kind of felt the you know it, even before what happened with Jose. It was it, it, they were until about mid September ish where we are now. We're getting close to it was still a possibility that you had maybe one last little run, maybe they could sneak in. And that was with one fewer wild card. Yeah. So, but you look at that team and it's no comparison as far as the offense that that team had. I mean, you look at that, the problem back then was flipped. You had less pitching and now it's the other way around. So it's like, there's still, you're still a one-sided franchise in that sense. It's just the other way around. Yeah. And when you look back at the offense with, to go back to the bigger picture of it, once Solaire and Jazz went down, the Marlins were basically consolidated down to three of their quote-unquote big boys to have to try to lead the offense. And by that, those three, Garrett Cooper, uh, Jesus Aguilar, Avisel Garcia. And how did they do so far? Dre, do you remember when Garrett Cooper was hitting, hitting over 300? Long time ago. Yeah. So right before, right at June 28th, he was hitting 315. Since mm. then... 120, 14 for 117, a 472 OPS. Just two home runs, just seven RBI over 37 games. Jesus Aguilar, who the Marlins DFA'd on August 26th, which was at the point where they were already out of the playoffs and basically said, yeah, we have three guys here, Cooper, Aguilar, and Lewin Diaz, and they want to get Lewin Diaz reps at first base, see what they have in him. Aguilar, with no team control left, was the odd man out. But in and that Aguilar, stretch, who, yeah, who is now that, with those Orioles? Yes, and I'm honestly that move. and I'm honestly rooting for Jesus Aguilar, and I'm honestly yeah, glad for him. Yeah, exactly. I'm hoping the Orioles make playoffs. Aguilar, for as much of the struggles he had on offense this year, he was one of those guys that the three years that he was here was one of those glue guys in that clubhouse. Especially when you look back at the 2020 season when the outbreak happened. He was one of the new guys, but he was one of those guys who kept them together and kept them upbeat, kept them in the right mind, in the right state of mind during that 
during that stretch when they were basically down the bare bones. He right. was able to keep them in there. And again, remember last year he led the National League in RBI before he had a season-ending injury, and then Duvall overtook him. So he was yeah. a guy who for two years gave the Marlins what they needed. And then this year, the stretch that stretch before he got DFA'd was 213, six home runs, 18 ribbies over 48 games. And then Avisil Garcia, we discussed his struggles basically since the start of the season. But before going out with the hamstring strain on August 3rd, the 28 games when Jazz and Soler weren't in there, he was hitting 245. He was right. the best of the three big boys. And it's sad to say that can, looking at what that number was, that that was the best of the three. And when you only have one of those three who's doing anything, that pushed the pressure on basically everyone else, the guys who are supposed to be your complementary pieces, Joey Wendell, John Birdie, Miguel Rojas, Brian Anderson, you're now ex basically trying to say we need to get we need these guys to be our guys who score the runs, not our guys who drive in the runs, not the guys who are scoring the runs. And right. it's sort of basically putting that duality on them. And even that group, again, Wendell was hurt for a month. Brian Anderson was hurt for a month. Birdie missed, missed a lot of time. Miguel Rojas is dealing with a wrist injury right now. And unlike a lot of these really good teams, and I'll just go to the Braves because the Marlins just faced them, when yeah. the Marlins had to bring young guys up, they didn't instantly create success like you saw, like you see the Braves having right now with Michael Harris, like they're doing, like they're having with Vaughn Grissom, like they've had with basically every guy who's in their starting lineup right now when they came up and made their debuts. And this is nothing new. Is nothing new, and it's their, also their, their their names are Ronald Acuna, their names are Ozzy Albies. Braves have been doing this for a while, and it's because of good development and good, you know, good scouting a good organization in place that can find that talent and then develop that talent and on spot, not just maybe good talent, no talent that will make an immediate impact. And we were saying, we were saying that the, you know, the, the, you know, I like calling it the pretend playoff year, the, the, the 60 game year. We were saying how far ahead Atlanta was. Here you go. Again, more evidence served up right there. I mean, look at these guys. Yep. I mean, again, and but you know, narrowing the focus to what you were talking about with Aguilar and Cooper, and and I mean, to me, you know, wish Aguilar the best, but I think you have found a good potential long-term guy in Lewin Diaz. I say continue the mini purge and find more young guys to put around him there. You know, maybe I'd find another or another option in the offseason to put there. I think it's time. I think in a, in a few spots on this team, it's time to move on and time to maybe get younger and try to find some of that young talent. That's one spot for sure where around Lewin now and then the same in the outfield. And then I know we're, this is going to sort of transition us to the part that you're, you know, you're, you also detailed how some of these guys like, the you know, like Gerard Encarnacion and him, you know, and Peyton Burdick and J.J. Bladé are all getting their opportunities. But they're struggling as well. And why? Because, again, this isn't an ideal spot. This isn't an ideal lineup to be in to get your quote unquote, like first licks in the majors. You know what I mean? You, you, you'd like to take some pressure off these guys and you just can't afford to because there's no support really in terms of like, you know, protecting spots in the lineups. You know, you don't have that, that big guy in front of you in the lineup or the big guy behind you in the lineup coming up, anything like that for the most part. And that's why you're seeing some, that, that's partially why you're seeing some of this. I mean, some of this could be also that these guys are still need time 
may or may not pan out in some cases. But for argument's sake, I mean, just looking at it on the surface, it would be a lot better than thrusting them into one of the worst lineups in baseball right now. Yeah, and again, they're basically forming the bulk of the lineup. You look at uh, right. I look through everything since over the last 33 games when basically this entire group of prospects, J.J. Boudet, Peyton Bird, Gerard Encarnacion, Lewin Diaz, Charles LeBlanc, when they were all basically on the active roster, 29 of the past 33 games, at least three of them have been the starting lineup. A lot of the last 27 games, at least four of them have been the starting lineup. All five of them have been in the same lineup twice. And it's also not necessarily like Maddenly saying, yes, I need to be playing all these guys or picking who and who. This is actually – this is all above his head. He's basically – he told us on Saturday that his lineups are basically – he's making them as far as five days in advance so that the front office can see it and they can go, well, we need to see this guy a little bit more. We want to see this guy in this situation. We want to see this person. So it's basically – it's to the point of basically, you know, it's basically just all a matter of, okay, how many reps can we give these guys? How, ma- how ma- many times can we get the eyes on them? And by, so that by yeah. October 5th, front office can say, okay, we think we have enough of a, enough of a sample to see, yeah. to know what yeah. we have with this person. And look, and this is where, you know, I'm going to, it's going to, I'm just going to get real about this, but that's where, and I love Don Mattingly, but you know who's running the team and it's not him not really nope. and, and and not just in this aspect but we saw it a few weeks ago when he said he didn't want to get what was it we're talking about lineup switches uh, yeah and, oh yeah about pinch hitting in certain situations hitting, and, right yeah and he yeah, said he doesn't want to be, yeah. and, 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 but he doesn't want to get he flat out says he doesn't want to get in trouble and it's like geez you're just minding the store unfortunately you know and i, yeah, and no. I hate and it it sucks and it's to not see just, him that spot. Yeah. And it's not just here. That's happening a lot in baseball now where the manager is yeah. basically – the field manager is basically just the middleman for the front office, the analytics department. Right. Uh, Joe Madden, who, again, got fired by the Angels, he said in the story about the uh, that Mark Tompkins, Tampa Bay Times, wrote, basically mm. saying that he's actually relieved that he's not managing anymore because it's yeah. – basically it's just – it's just basically daycare duty at times where right. it's, you're just – you're getting the orders up from up top. You follow them. And then when they don't work out, you're the one taking the brunt of the, of the of the wrath from the fan base and from the media because you're the you're the face. You're the one who talks to talks every day. You're the one who has to answer the questions when there may or may not be the decisions that you would have made if given the chance. The manager is basically the White House spokesperson at this point. You know what I mean? They have to answer the questions. They have to come out there, you know, and. Won't be asked one way or another, whatever the president has decided. And that's what it's become in baseball. You know, it's, it's very few, if any, left that are powerful enough managers, big name managers that really are calling important shots to that degree. And it's and it, it's crazy how the game, it, it, it's funny how the game has changed. And it, and it hasn't happened overnight. It's been gradual, but it has because the days of it's, you know, you're you're the one you know, doing it off instinct, that's long gone. And, you know, but at the same time, I feel like, especially in this scenario, you know, it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder if we're seeing his final days as manager there because it almost feels, this whole season just feels like it's just a countdown to the finish line. And then, and then some, some drastic moves are going to be made. I, I, that's the hunch I get. I'm not saying for sure, but that's the hunch I get. And he, you know, could be one of them, and unfor- and it's unfortunate because he's, you know, he, 
He's had a longer run than any of them with this team. And it just never, the shame of it was it never at the beginning of his run got the chance to really see what it could have been. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe not, I don't know. I don't think that team maybe would have necessarily won a World Series, but it could have been something. Had what happened to Jose not happened, it could have been a playoff team. I, I still, I still firmly believe that next season they were going to have a very good shot at least being a playoff team, and it would have been fun to watch. But it never materialized, and since then, it's just been an impossible uphill battle for the past four years now. Yeah, so. yeah, it has. And as you said, the countdown's on. We are a month from the time of us recording this. Will be the season finale, and then. As Andre said, and I've been feeling the same for a good few weeks now, probably going to be expecting a lot to be happening from October 6th shortly on. And yeah. we'll touch into more of that next week. That's going to be it for this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. I'm going to try to go get a cheesesteak or two or 12 while I'm here for three and a half days. Uh, Not 12. Come on. Come on. You need, you, yeah. you need to survive these last 30 now, days of the season. Now, I won't be 12. And what's coming after. And what's coming after, exactly. But, yeah, yeah that's going to be And then I need it for football, my friend, so don't, 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 don't hurt yourself. Football? What's that? Oh, you'll, you'll, remember, so you'll remember quickly in October. Yep. All right. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll be back next week.